This is Joan Boney speaking. We have such great power through God. I looked up scriptures telling about power and copied several of them for us to look at today. Luke chapter 10 verse 19, Jesus says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, in Luke 10, he was speaking that to the 70 which he sent out. But if you need a parallel, Mark 16, verse 15, he told the 11 apostles, go into all the world and preach the gospel. They that believe will be saved. But he goes on and he says, the ones that believe will cast out devils. So that proves to me that Jesus intended for us to have the power today as individuals who believe to cast out devils. So I think this same verse would apply to us who believe today. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I know that when I have a thought that I know is from a devil, I don't hesitate to say, in the name of Jesus, I command that spirit that spoke that thought to me to be gone and to keep silence. That's a tremendous gift to know that you have been given the gift to cast out devils. Jesus frequently would not allow devils to speak. When you read the Gospels, you'll see those scriptures where he would not allow devils to speak. Luke 10 to the 70 which he sent out, Jesus said, He that heareth you, heareth me. And he that despiseth you, despiseth me. And he that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils, are subject unto us through thy name. And then Jesus warned them. He said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you notwithstanding. In this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. First Corinthians 4, the apostle Paul upbraids the church because they're puffed up. 
Paul says, verse 18, Now some are puffed up, as though I would not come unto you. They weren't puffed up when they were around Paul. He would have corrected them. Now he's telling them that when he gets to where their their church is, he will correct them. See, they didn't have any way to correct anybody except go to that place or write a letter. So Paul says, now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you, that they can get by with it. Paul says in verse 19, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Paul was going to test them when he got his hands on them. And if they didn't show power of God in their speaking, then they weren't the kingdom of God. 2 Timothy 3.1 Paul tells us, In the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of their own self. And he names a whole bunch of characteristics that they will have in the last days. And in verse 5, he tells us what to do about it. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Just don't be around them when you see someone like that. Mark 3, verses 14 and 15. And he, Jesus, ordained twelve, that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach. Now, Paul was not one of the twelve. Paul never saw Jesus when he walked in the flesh. Judas was the twelfth apostle who later killed himself because he denied Jesus. And he, Jesus, ordained twelve that they should be with him and he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Some Christians try to be strong in themselves, and that doesn't work. Be strong in the Lord, in the Word, in the Word God gives you, in the written Word of God, as well as the specific words that God will speak to you. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Not the power of your might, the power of his might, the word's might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. When I was a new Christian in 1975, I was frequently under serious satanic attacks. 
One day I even said, all right, I'm quitting this Christian thing. I'm going to quit. I had a little business at that time, and I was sitting on the sofa in the office. And I said, all right, I'm not going to think about things of God. I'm going to not do that because I'm being attacked over this. So I said, I'll, I'll think of the alphabet. Okay, there's A, that went real well. B, that went well. C, uh-oh. That was as far as I got in not thinking about God because I was always thinking about Scripture. I was consumed with Scripture. Well, one of the... Um, professors of Dallas Theological Seminary said to me, Joan, all you have to do is put on the whole armor of God, and that devil will leave you alone. I said, okay, how do you do that? He couldn't tell me. He didn't know how you do it. One day I was speaking with Juliet Walton by telephone, one of our church members, and we were talking about this whole armor of God, and all of a sudden, I thought Juliet was speaking, and it got real clear. She said I was speaking. <laughs> I was a new Christian. Anyway, it got very clear, and now I know how to put on the whole armor of God. So the Apostle Paul says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. These are spirits. Devils are spirits that speak to the Christians and bring fear and negative thoughts. Verse 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. That's the first listed part of the armor of God. Put on truth. Truth is Jesus. Jesus is the Word. Put on the Word God has given you from above, or the Holy Bible, the Scriptures. Dress in that. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is doing that which is right in the sight of God. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. If I've been striving with anyone, I often ask God to help me. 
few days ago, I was driving with another person, and Pam and I went to the drive-in at some fast food place. As she placed the order, I was <laughs> I was the wrong spirit for sure. And I finally said to Pam, I believe I need a little adjustment in spirit. And she laughed. And I just prayed, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. And peace just flooded over me. That's uh, Psalm 51 verse 10. I often pray that over myself. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Faith, faith in God, the word of God, He likens it to a shield that would protect us, protect your heart. And take the helmet of salvation. Thinking about when you were born again, what it was like when God caused you to be born again. Thinking about salvation today. Our salvation is in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not in ourself. It's not in our works, although we who have faith do works because faith without works is dead. And the sword of the Spirit. Oh, the Spirit of God is something. That sword of the Spirit is sharp enough to cut through the joints and marrow and a discerner of the heart. That's Hebrews 4. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, not just yourself, all saints. There are so many times that I need prayer. I have to discern the right message to speak that day. I have to correct people, and they get mad at me usually when I do. But that's what prophets do. God told prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 3, they won't listen to you because they won't listen to me. But you go anyway and speak to them with all of my words. And it is to the house of Israel that he told Ezekiel to speak to, and that is the church. Colossians 2. Ye are complete in him, in Jesus. We are complete in Jesus, which is the head of all principality and power. I was born again by God speaking the word of God to me. He took me into heaven twice and merged me into the body of Jesus in the night while I was sleeping. I was called to be a minister, and he gave me some special equipment. I 
frequently given open visions by God for the church, word of knowledge. I have many examples in my life of being given word of knowledge by open visions. God was equipping me for the work that I would do in the ministry. Matthew chapter 9 verse 8 When the multitude saw the work Jesus did, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. It brings glory to God when we do the work of God, when we do the work authored by God, not the work authored by your church who puts a list on the bulletin board for you to visit the sick, sign up if you'll do this. You've got to be called by God to do these works. If God has called you, sign up. But if it's just a list of things to do. One time Pam Paget, she was raised Catholic, then was born again, then went to some kind of non-denominational church, and they put on the bulletin board those who want to go and minister to another church, sign up. Well, Pam thought that would be a good way to meet people, so she signed up. They, <laughs> this is quite a story. She signed up to go minister to people. Well, the singles people hated Pam. They really hated her because she told them that if this woman remarried after divorce, she would commit adultery, and since she was already divorced, the man who married her would commit adultery, and they were both in the singles class, and she warned them and warned the maid of honor, and they really hated Pam. They hated Pam so much that when they went to the main service, they all sat together, and Pam went and sat by them, and they all got up and left without a word and moved to another place. I mean, they really hated Pam. And Pam didn't understand. <laughs> she said, she turned to God and said, have I done something wrong? <laughs> what she had done is brought the word of God to the singles class, and they all hated her. That is not unusual. So anyway, it brings glory to God if he has assigned you to do the visitation work. But if it's a work just assigned by your own church and you think it's a good idea and you sign up, that is not to your credit. In Pam's case with this ministry, <laughs> this is hilarious. She lived in Oklahoma at the time and it was summer. It's hot in Oklahoma in the summer. They were going to go all the way across the state. I think she said to Guyman, Oklahoma, and she lived near Oklahoma City. That's all the way across the state. I think it took about three hours on a bus ride. The bus was one of those old yellow school buses and was not air-conditioned. I mean, God, protect me from such a thing. Your own ideas can just get you into a mess. But God turned it for good because on that bus were the people that hated Pam who wanted nothing to do with her. 
And there was one woman Pam did not know, and she was crying. They were very mean to Linda. Linda became a member of our group, and they became very close friends. But anyway, she met Linda on that trip, and they had assigned housing when they got there to spend the night in the homes of people who had volunteered their homes. Pam and Linda, the outcast of the group, were assigned to the same home, but there was a, too many people, so they had to assign one of the in-group. And they assigned this woman, and she was just furious because she was assigned to stay in the house where Linda and Pam stayed. These are church people on a ministry trip. <laughs> well, really. <laughs> So anyway, this woman from their own church wouldn't even have anything to do with them. She just went directly to her room. She didn't even visit with the hostess who had offered the house. Pam and Linda did. That's some church group. But I've seen them like that. I've seen groups that are just hostile toward the outcast person who brought the word of God. That's really not unusual, sadly to speak. But normally it brings glory to God for us to present spiritual gifts, even if we suffer persecution for speaking. God has power over all things. And one thing that happens when you speak a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, one of these gifts God has given you by the Holy Spirit, it identifies you to the church that you belong to God. But of course, if they don't belong to God, then they're going to hate you. But I give them. I mean, we're responsible to God to give everything he gives us. It's not for us. It's for the church. Luke chapter 4, verse 32. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And when we speak, the word God gives us is with power. If we just speak our own words, no. Now, uh, this woman, I think, was really a Christian at Word of Faith, where I attended in the late 70s and early 80s. I think she was really a Christian. But she had one verse she quoted all the time over everything. And that was, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And I'll have to tell you that I actually dreaded it coming. I knew she was going to say that verse because she always said that verse. And it really took the power out of the verse. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit when you quote a verse of Scripture. If he reminds you of that Scripture when you're with that other person, you quote it. But if you're just like a parrot and quote it all the time to everyone, one time after I went on radio, some church people at Word of Faith heard the radio broadcast, 
and gave an offering. And I, at that time, if I had a scripture that I felt God gave me for them, I'd give it. And one time, the two of them who were friends were shocked because I didn't give them the same scripture. Well, I didn't do that. If I didn't hear the scripture from the Holy Spirit, I didn't give it. I happened to, I suppose, hear scripture with both of them who gave offerings for the radio ministry, and the scriptures weren't the same. They came to me and they said, we, we were so surprised that you gave us scripture and it wasn't the same scripture. And I said, well, I gave you what I heard from God. Now, some ministers use this giving scripture as gimmicks. And they just have a set of scripture they send out to people who give offerings and they're the same scripture. There is so much corruption in ministry. And these two women had experienced corruption. They weren't used to getting different scriptures from a minister. The ministers that communicated with them gave them the same scripture when they sent offerings. When it's from the Holy Spirit, it meets the need of the person. And when you hear it from the Holy Spirit, it's meeting the need of that individual. I don't know what you need, but God can show me what you need. If it's correction or if it's something to help you in faith and build you up. And I speak what I hear. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I learned this from Paul, from that verse of Scripture. I learned to speak what the Holy Spirit gives me. I learned to go in the power of God. I didn't plan ahead what I was going to say at meetings. I might have had one or two things to start with at the meeting, but when I write or record, I'm led by the Holy Spirit, and I speak what I hear. Now, you have to keep yourself pretty clean to do that. You have to be careful about not letting bitterness and evil in your heart. Therefore, I'm always praying, as I told you, Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Because prophets get into this thing where they're rejected and they're hurt and they are beaten up. So you have to keep your heart clean and speak by the right spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.14 And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. 
1982, God, by the Holy Spirit, spoke this word to me. I was on a plane traveling from Hobbs, New Mexico to Dallas, where I lived. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. The time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Over and over, for an hour flight, I heard that same scripture. I didn't know what it meant, but the next day or two, God began to call my attention to sins that were being committed in the ministry by men such as Jimmy Swaggart, Jim Baker, men like that. I couldn't get a message to them because the people that worked for them threw the messages away before they ever got to the minister. So God just said, speak it on your radio broadcast, which were from coast to coast at that time. So I spoke the message and told the name of the minister and told the sin that was being committed on my radio broadcast. Hate mail just poured into our office. Well, this hate mail, this told me that the followers of those men who had sinned, they would get the message from someone who heard what I said. I was at Seattle having a meeting and walked up to the meeting room door, and there stood the manager of the radio station. He'd always been so friendly to me. This time I noticed he wasn't smiling. And he said to me, Joan, you have so many wonderful messages. Just speak those messages. But if you speak these judgment messages, I don't know what's going to happen to you. We may have to put you off the air. Now, this is a case of the Holy Spirit rising up and speaking through me because I had no plan to speak this at all, no thought about it. But the Holy Spirit said, George, if I don't speak the message that I hear from God, I don't have a message and I may as well be off the air. Now, that's what they're talking about in this verse. 1 Corinthians six fourteen, And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. Jesus once said, don't meditate about what you're going to say. When you're standing in front of them, I will give you what to say. And none of your adversaries will be able to gainsay nor resist the message that I speak through you. God gives us spiritual gifts as he wills. And they are for the church. So you must give those to the church. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. That's what to do about some problem. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. You may hear a word concerning someone who has a physical problem. 
And when you speak it, someone's likely to identify himself or herself as having that problem. And I believe God heals them at that time. To another faith, you'll have extraordinary faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, tongues, diverse kinds of tongues, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. I think dreams might be a form of tongues. But you have to have interpretation. I've gotten that wrong before as a new Christian. I had the dream, but I really didn't ask God for the interpretation. I just told what I thought it meant, and it was so far off. Here was the dream. I was in a tall glass building, and it was like bombs began to fall on the building, and the building was shaking. A tall glass building. Well, I thought it was a bank. Banks are usually tall glass buildings. Well, it wasn't a bank. And it was as if that building was going to fall in on us. I thought it was a bank and there was going to be a banking crisis. There really was one, but it didn't come off quite like I thought. It was the bombing of the World Trade Center. God gave me three dreams about the bombing of the World Trade Center. And in that dream of the tall glass building that was like bombs falling on us, it was like the building was going to fall in on us, I heard these words. It was not the first bombing, but the second. They tried to destroy the World Trade Center in the 90s by a car bomb, and that didn't work. So they flew two planes into the building in the year 2001. That caused both buildings to implode upon itself, and both were destroyed. And that's what I saw in the dream. How do I know I saw that? Because at one point we'd gone over to New Jersey and I was looking back at Manhattan. And the smoke was rising. And I knew when the dust settled, in this dream I was shown, when the dust settles, the landmarks will be gone. Oh, <sighs> When they bombed the World Trade Center, and we all saw it on television, and they showed the scene from New Jersey with the smoke rising. I gasped. I just sat up on the edge of my seat and gasped because it was exactly what I saw in one of those three dreams where I was shown the destruction of the World Trade Center. Exactly the same. And that's the one that I heard these words. When the dust settles the landmarks will be gone. Those World Trade Centers were so beautiful, such landmarks. 
almost every movie that you see between the year 1974, when those buildings were completed, and 2001, when they were gone, almost every movie in New York City, at some point, the movie will show the World Trade Centers. I've seen so many movies like that. In that movie, Cher did, where she was skipping down the highway and the Brooklyn Bridge was behind her, there was a scene of the World Trade Centers. In every movie that I see, in Law and Order, I'm always seeing the World Trade Centers. Landmarks. They were major landmarks. And they were destroyed. That was their intent, to destroy landmarks. God gives these spiritual gifts as he wills. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 4. We shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today. Now we have some music which we are going to be playing for you. Beethoven's Symphony Number no. 2, Movement Number no. 2. That second symphony is really outstanding. Some symphonies of Beethoven might be played more in audience halls, but this second symphony is a beautiful work. This is performed by the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra with Sir Thomas Beecham in 1957 in London. This classical music online.net is a wonderful source for many, many orchestras in the United States and Europe. $20 for three years, and for every composition, you'll probably have 15 orchestras to choose from. It's a wonderful source for a music student, for anyone who enjoys classical music. It's relatively good sound, which it will produce on your tablet or your laptop. It's not equal, of course, to a high-level sound system. I happen to be fortunate enough to have a superior level sound system, not the best you can buy, but pretty good. And I listen to this frequently on my tablet, on this classical music online. Beethoven's Symphony Number no. 2, Movement Number no. 2. 